This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook, and I have a CEO of one of my favorite places, Marguerite Zabar Mariscal. Welcome. She's the CEO of Mama Fuku. Welcome to The Playbook. Awesome. Happy to be here. Great to have you here as well. Now, uh, you know, restaurants and uh, CPG are a highly competitive uh, and scarce industry. I thought sports agency was tough. And then I started to see what you guys do over there at Mama Fuku, and you do it so well. Um, right now, there's kind of a surge in restaurants getting into the CPG space. And we've seen it, especially with the leading uh, restaurants in New York, for whatever reason. Um, why have you guys decided to get into uh, that space? Totally. So I, we actually made this decision back in 2019. Uh, we really want to diversify the business outside of just brick and mortar restaurants. As you mentioned, it, brick and mortar restaurants is not an easy business. The margins are quite small, obviously, uh, rising uh, rents, utilities, just, you know, operating environment competition. Uh, there are so many restaurants that opened in the past, you know, 20 years in New York. Um, so we were really looking for a way to leverage uh, the brand that, that Dave and, and myself for the past 12 years have built into something that we thought was a little bit more scalable. Um, one of my favorite stats is between Dave and Momofuku on Instagram. We have uh, two plus million followers. 90% don't live in cities in which we operate restaurants. So we always knew there was this audience out there that we couldn't really tap into. And yes, we could have opened you know, 50 noodle bars and tried to tackle that. But um, we've just found that these products are, are a much better way for us to address that kind of broader community than uh, necessarily uh, restaurants themselves. You know, and I do a lot of advising in the space and I have two critical business issues about what you're talking about. And it is applicable to how to do it well as um, accordingly. One is employees and the other is overhead. Uh, and especially today um, with the employee issues that exist. And there's varying ones from uh, the cost of employees, meaning a minimum wage even, uh, to uh, the lack of employees that exist today, especially in the restaurant space. Uh, and for you, how considering uh, employees and overhead, can you do this well, balance between the restaurant as building a brand in a community as a bug light and then executing on a much better business model of CPG. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think restaurants historically have kind of the most people per square foot of any business uh, just, you know, between back of house, front of house managers. And then, you know, if you're a group like ours, also then the corporate overhead, as you mentioned, that that sits aside that. So it's a really, really people heavy business business. Um, and it's always been, um, you know, very tough to kind of balance all those pieces, food cost, et cetera, to get to any sort of healthy margin. Um, and I think as a restaurant group, we are really committed to kind of, uh, evolving and continuing to grow with the changing conditions of, uh, you know, employees and whether that's really looking at our benefits, um, paying line cooks around $25 an hour, you know, all these things that you have to do in a way to kind of get the best talent and stay competitive. That being said, it's not the most scalable uh, venture. And so while restaurant development, I think is still very much part of our you know, core and something that we'll continue to do, 
Um, we wanted to find another business model that you could kind of leverage apart from that, that has a very different makeup uh, where you can have a much smaller team producing, you know, a very large quantity. And, you know, something I think about a ton is, you know, you could have the best recipe in the world, but, you know, that night it's all about who's cooking, right? And it can be too salty, under salted, you know, uh, the ingredients could be a little off. Um, whereas with uh, our, our home cooking products, it's pretty incredible to be able to create a recipe and create something that we're really proud of and then have that show up, you know, across the country uh, consistently the way that, that you know, our chefs intended it to be. Um, and so just that ability to really package in a lot of ways, like the taste and flavors exactly as we want the customer, you know, or, or guest to experience. Um, it's a really unique, weird thing for us as a restaurant group and something we just have, you know, very little experience with uh, up until the past three years. And there seems to be a great reconciliation when we're looking at the distinctive brands between a restaurant as a brand and then their products as a brand. And we've seen it uh, with other restaurants as well, especially in New York City. It seems to me that you're taking this reconciliation and more holistic approach uh, to understanding community uh, and how each can drive. Uh, if you have an international product line uh, and then someone comes from London to visit, they, it seems that they'd be more apt to come to your restaurant. And then also building a community around the restaurant then facilitates more people trying the product that isn't custom cooked, but gives them their own alternatives of how to utilize the Mamafuku brand and products. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're, we're trying really hard to do things, I think, a little differently, where I think historically, uh, CPG for restaurants, uh, one has been predominantly, you know, QSRs, like quick service restaurants, big box chains. And they've basically passed that responsibility of the consumer packaged goods to a large company like a ConAgra that then produces the product and basically pays a license back to the restaurant group. Um, we're trying really hard to create products, uh, not only that we are extremely proud of, but actually serve within our restaurants. So to your point, that like cyclical uh, dynamic, um, we're serving Chili Crunch, um, which is our version of a Chili Crisp uh, in our restaurants uh, in Las Vegas, uh, our noodle bars in New York. Um, we use our savory salt uh, on a smoked prime rib you can get at Major Domo in LA. And so I really think we're trying to bridge this gap where, to your point, it might not be custom cook, but you're actually getting you know, the ingredients and the flavors that we're working with in the restaurants, um, which I think creates that way better ecosystem that you pointed to than the traditional model of kind of farming out your uh, CPG uh, operation. And to that end, content becomes king. Uh, yeah. And there's so much opportunity, though, to create content, especially at the restaurants that you're in and the cities that you're in, which are conducive to extraordinary uh, content. But that's a whole different ballgame than someone that's been in the restaurant space, hospitality space, even CPG space. Um, and it was very unique uh, to me and, you know, one of your good partners as well, when here we were kind of middle-aged mutant turtles and we were building our own personal brands. Uh, <laughs> so how did you address, you know, your own experiences with, okay, not only am I now doing a restaurant, not only now do we have these products, but now we actually have to be a media company on top of it. Well, it's actually really interesting because I, I think we actually have a huge leg up on the media content piece compared to our competition. You look at 
most, um, uh, let's call them like hero brands in retail, they all for the most part have terrible social presence, terrible content because they've been in retail and that's, you know, has never been really a part of their, their identity. And then obviously you have these D2C brands that are coming up that are simultaneously trying to sell you a product and tell you who they are, what they stand for, you know, why you should, uh, you know, be a customer of, of that brand, not just that product. Um, we having existed for 20 years and, and Dave really, uh, you know, I think playing into media for those 20 years entirely, right? There was a show on PBS in 2011, I believe, Lucky Peach the Magazine, Netflix. I think Dave and, and Momofuku as a whole has established ourselves as an authority, as a voice in food. And then it's actually so much easier than whether you're serving someone an ad, whether you're scrolling you know, the retail aisle. We've already kind of done part one and now we're doing part two. And we really have a unique ability to not just sell these products, but educate consumers around their use, right? I think a huge part of uh, customer acquisition and loyalty is not just, hey, this is a better soy sauce or, hey, these are better for you noodles, but how can you incorporate this into your daily routine? And instead of reaching maybe for like a Annie's mac and cheese, you know, try these, uh, you know, air dried noodles as a snack instead. And so we have both kind of the content engine and and Dave as, as an ambassador on that. And now for the first time in 20 years, you know, the products to actually, you know, back that. And so um, it's it's been a journey. And I think we're really lucky as, as most restaurant groups were during the pandemic to start with at least an audience of our restaurant guests, right? A mailing list of, let's call it 100,000 people that, you know, had amassed over the years. And so we really didn't start from zero, right? We started from from there and the ability to continue to grow that. I think we're now at uh, about half a million people uh, who subscribe. And to your point, content is king. Um, we have 50, I think 50 to 60% open rates. And that's because we're serving content. We're not serving, you know, uh, discounts. We're not serving, um, you know, uh, just new products, but really trying to get our, our customers to really engage with the product and show them new ways to use them. So um, in a way, it's kind of like the culmination of all these things finally all syncing together where, you know, we make a version of a res uh, restaurant recipe that is, you know, easy enough for a home cook that utilizes our products that we'll, you know, in an email tell you how you can create yourself. So it, it's, you know, going back to this ecosystem, um, I think we're, we're doing something uh, truly kind of exciting and, and new and fun. And you have paralleled almost identically the career of the president of my company. Uh, she graduated uh, St. John's there in New York, but started in 2011 as an intern. And oh, no way. A PR intern. Uh, it has had a rapid progression uh, to the president of my company. And probably I haven't made a better decision than bringing her on as an intern. But I always wondered uh, in this day of retention uh, with dynamic, extraordinary women like yourself, why you stay. And I even asked her, I was like, you know, what what's the hook here? I mean, I know how many offers there are out for extraordinary women like you, uh, great storytellers, great presence, great leaders. Um, what has it been that has hooked you into Mama Fuku uh, to, you know, have that rapid correct progression, but you know, turn down all the offers that I'm sure you've gotten over the last 12 years. 
I, I really think for me, it's about, um, and I, I'm very lucky in that, you know, a lot of it is right time, right place, right? It was the business was really taking off. As I mentioned, uh, the PBS show had just come out. Uh, the week I started, uh, we opened a restaurant in Sydney, Australia. It was the first restaurant outside of Manhattan. And, you know, there was just so much happening. Um, so I truly, despite the fact that I've been at this company for 12 years, feel every couple of years, I'm doing something entirely different from what I was doing before. And I mean, using the the home cooking products is a great example. It's like, I run now a entirely different business. Uh, so it, you know, it, it's, it keeps things very interesting. I would also say, and this is something that I think is really true for Momofuku as a whole and something that um, I, I care a lot about is, you know, something we talk about is out caring the competition. And I think we have a workforce, whether it's in the restaurants, uh, whether it's in our home office, whether it's on the CPG team, where everyone cares about the overall product and the overall company. And therefore, I think it's really easy to get bought in um, compared to it being, you know, just your role, just your responsibility. There's this old Nike adage, uh, which is the jobs, your job's not done until the job is done. And I think we have a really great group of people that kind of see what these products can do for America and their perception of Asian food or, you know, what the restaurants are able to do uh, to change people's perception of what good food can look like. And uh, I think it just makes it very easy to go to work every day and be engaged and energized about, about what's next. And that seems to be a family tradition for you. I noted your, your middle name uh, that we had, Zabar. Obviously, Zabar's is an institution uh, in the industry. Um, your grandfather, I think, is still active today, pushing that <laughs> yes. brand. You know, it took him many, many more years than you in order to, you know, re, uh, rebrand and, you know, grow uh, into the direct-to-consumer business uh, that he killed it in during, especially the pandemic. Um, how much of an influence is your grandfather, uh, Stanley, on you even today? And, and is he's over 90 years old now? Yep. yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Turning, turning 91 in August. Uh, and his brother, I believe, is 94. Uh, and they both still work at, at the store. And, you know, and my, my, I mean, I would say my grandfather, you know, is extremely influential. Uh, you're totally right. During the pandemic, they killed it with direct to consumer. But, you know, he set up during, I believe it was the 80s, you know, mail order, which has been a huge business for them. You know, they were super early on having a website, like really, I think taking this brand and continuing to push it into newer spaces, um, you know, as technology and consumer habits have evolved. And so, I, you know, I think another reason that I've been at Momofuku for as long as I have is I, I also think the definition of what Momofuku is has changed over the past 12 years, right? And whether that's what we offer to customers, whether that's, uh, you know, what we stand for, I think uh, I've been very lucky, you know, in conjunction with Dave to have a lot of carte blanche to continue to redefine, you know, what we want to be, who we want to be, what we want to sell. Um, and so uh, coming from, uh, you know, my, my family's background and my, my grandpa is the biggest, I, I should take a page out of his book. He always wears a Zabar's hat and he always has a Zabar's tote and he always is carrying <laughs> Zabar's catalogs. And maybe I, I, I could take a page and, and, and be a little bit more uh, uh, forward in my uh, 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 marketing. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's been uh, uh, incredible to see the business evolve over all these years. And, you know, at the family dinner table, 
I was just with everyone last night celebrating my grandparents' uh, 71st wedding anniversary. You know, you you inherently end up talking about what's the newest thing at Zabar's, you know, what's what's the current issues, uh, you know, you'll look at a PL. So it's very much uh, I, I think ingrained in, in my bones. It's amazing. And there's nothing better. I hope I can pass on the same thing to my own children and grandchildren that someday they will host uh, my last name as, as well. Uh, but I love the fact that, you know, 43, 40 some years ago, they're already in front of the curve. And uh, I have a feeling that the apple does not fall far from the tree. And uh, Mama Fuku and David and others have made a great choice and what leadership they've chosen. Uh, amazing. I think I've actually interviewed your grandfather as well. No way. I've had over 1,500 of these. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 you just struck a chord with me. Um, but you're an incredible entrepreneur. Make me one promise that you'll please come back. I have other shows, TV shows. The world needs more uh, great, uh, I, uh, iconic leaders like you. I have three daughters, 24, 21, and 19. And uh, I need them to watch this and to look up to you. Uh, I love the way that you think and what you do say, believe and feel towards your own uh, potential. Just an extraordinary journey. And we've just uh, seen the beginning of it. So Marguerite uh, Zabar, Mariscal, thank you so much. CEO of Mama Fuku. Need we say more here on The Playbook?